Bottom line up front. Trump says he doesn't believe in elections. Treasury FinCEN files reveals Russian intelligence and global mob all over the world. Wall Street is facing record penalties for historic fraud cases. And Alexander Nix of Cambridge Analytica is in the barrel in the United Kingdom. I'm Eric Garland. After 20 years delivering intelligence to world leaders, a mobster owned by Russia took the White House, and I started giving daily intelligence briefs directly to the people. This is Game Theory Today, your source for global events, clear analysis, and appropriate profanity. Guys, it's time for some Game Theory. September 24th, 2020, and let's check the general mood. It is panic at the disco, people. Basically, if you're a bad guy, this is probably not your week. You get a sense of uh, general chaos disorder and fun for all justice-minded people. Uh, as Look, I'm saying it's full panic in bad guy land. Uh, here's the deal. The money is getting exposed. And by the money, I mean trillions offshore. We are in tease with this whole FinCEN files thing, which I've known as an intelligence analyst for years. When you start looking into offshore banking, the amount of money that you guys don't get to see that's out there is probably bigger than the amount that you can even calculate if you're adding up GDP and all that stuff. Uh, that is what makes this moment so incredible is for decades in the post-World War II era, that amount of money has stayed hidden from view and it's gone to, to finance a whole bunch of ugly stuff and it's coming out uh, through a variety of investigations. And uh, recently we've had from a consortium of uh, the International Consortium of uh, Investigative Journalists, BuzzFeed News, Courthouse News, other sources, uh, they are exposing what's called the FinCEN files, which I understand to be legally obtained through FOIA request, um, uh, sensitive Act, or suspicious activity reports, SARs, uh, that have been released. And it's leading to all sorts of interesting, <laughs> to put it mildly, uh, revelations about the, the whole banking system around the world. And, uh, man, always go for the money. That's where the interesting stuff is at. So that's coming out. And uh, that's making everybody nervous because that'll show the real links between things. Then you've got, uh, man, the GOP and Russia are basically just making out in front of everyone. And we've got an election upcoming, so that's awkward as making out in front of people can often be. And uh, it looks like uh, Trump and the GOP don't even want to have an election. So joyous chaos. So let's get into the PDB, the Pro Vanity Daily Brief. One... Trump says he doesn't believe in elections. So Trump at the White House yesterday said he refused to commit to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. This is not a condensation uh, or analysis on my part. This is a direct question, I believe, from Brian Karam, who said, hey, if we have an election and you lose, are you committed to a peaceful transfer of power? There's no euphemisms in there. Are, are you going to try and get people to start shooting at each other, which is, of course, what Russia wants? I think it's a very valid question. Are you going to have people try and uh, kill other people here in the country? And uh, he would not commit to it. He's like, oh, we'll see. And I believe the quote is, if you get rid of the ballots, there won't be a transfer of power. There will be a continuation. Okay. So let's remember a few things here. Uh, just put all this in context. First of all, back, way back in 2016, Trump asked for an attack on the United States election from 
the Russian Federation through its intelligence services. He got it. He was happy. He got it. Then he won. Right. And then he said, we're going to set up cybersecurity with the people who attacked us. It's all very mysterious. I know. Then uh, he was getting investigated by the FBI. They tend to investigate things like that. It's true. So he fired the guy investigating it. And then later on, he said he'd accept help having the American election system attacked again by the same people. Uh, he tried to extort another president so Russia could attack America again. That was uh, Vladimir Zelensky over in Ukraine, right? He got impeached. Then the GOP acquitted him in the Senate because that was not a, ba- a big deal, apparently. Then everybody over on that side of the political world kept working with Russia through very mysterious characters so subtle you couldn't guess what they were up to like uh, Andrea Dirkac uh, the Ukrainian uh, lawmaker who was a graduate of the KGB Academy so I'm gonna go with spy there uh, then that's going on on the propaganda side on you know the practical side they're literally smashing up postal equipment so you can't vote by mail is easy because they let a pandemic run wild uh intentionally uh so we want to make it harder apparently for you to vote at all either in person or by mail i don't know that whole thing is kind of like anti-democratic right there i'm just gonna say that uh i think it's pretty clear it's sort of like trump works for russia and wants to destroy american democracy i'm gonna just you know i'd like to guess the answer pat i'd like to guess the puzzle he works for Russia. He wants to destroy American democracy. Okay. So now Trump is saying that he won't accept the outcome. So that's pretty, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, guys? Uh, that's, the, that's the final thing. Well, even if you do manage to have an election, despite my ministrations here, um, well, I won't accept the outcome. I'll just stay. And let's just put everybody's mind at ease about what that really looked like. Um, when there's a legal order for your butt to move somewhere as president, they have this thing called the Secret Service. You may have heard of them. They have like cool suits and sunglasses and stuff. When they want you to go somewhere, they literally will get four guys and, you know, two get arms and two get legs. They will pick your butt up off the floor to move you as president or vice president. I don't think they do this very often. That's not how the guy gets to lunch. But, you know, Dick Cheney said during, you know, the 9-11 crisis on that Tuesday that when it was time for him to, like, go to the secret bunker or whatnot, the Secret Service came up and just picked his big old butt up and woof, they're all, like, linebackers at USC and uh, University of Texas or whatever. And those dudes just, just uh, galloped off with his butt. So this is to say, you know, we have this giant federal system and you can't just barricade your in, yourself into the White House like it's a cabin in the woods. You're not paying rent on to the guy. It's it's not how it works. So all, all good, fine and dandy that Trump says that he won't accept the outcome. But, you know, the fact is it's not going to work that way. I don't think, um, you know, he's tried to enlist the military maybe in uh, getting involved. The military had to come out very specifically and say, we're not getting involved in this, which is hard that they had to say that, but also very calming because we are not a military junta as much as Vladimir Putin would like us to be. Um, so, you know, those guys aren't going to keep him physically in the White House in power or whatever. So it's all a bluff, basically. Uh, so naturally, Trump is saying, oh, I just won't accept the outcome. He's trying to, you know, make everybody scared. And it's it's interesting. You can, uh, you know, read your uh, your your 
justice heroes out there on Twitter or whatnot, Glenn Kirshner, uh, Harry Littman, uh, other folks that actually know the law. And they'll say, you know, this guy is just trying to scare us right now. We got to just hold the line. And um, can't say enough good stuff about the work of Mark Elias, uh, who's been general counsel to the Democratic Party in the past. And he's just doing really exceptional work coordinating all these lawsuits at the state level to make sure people can vote, that their ballots are counted properly, to defend against really silly excuses for not having an election. It's just great. Um, But bottom line, so Trump is saying he won't accept the outcome. Not a surprise, and it's not going to work. So put your minds at ease. The FinCEN Files expose Russian intelligence operations and the global mob. The International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and BuzzFeed have come together with a project called The FinCEN Files, a series of in-depth journalistic research initiatives. There are more than articles. This stuff took some serious time. Based on a relatively limited number of suspicious activity reports, or SARs, released legally from Treasury FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, The articles so far are nothing short of groundbreaking and extremely inconvenient for mobsters, Russian oligarchs, terrorists, and other people you don't want running a daycare. And apparently, they've barely scratched the surface. Uh, There is some controversy before we get started. Uh, The U.S. Treasury, uh, still under Steve Mnuchin, even though they do fun things like they, they... do sanction Russian oligarchs and other bad guys? You'd think, really? Uh, I thought Manukin was in uh, in charge of this, and then they they do the right thing. So it gets a little confusing. But uh, the U.S. Treasury has claimed that the disclosures were illegal, countering the ICIJ's claim that their data came from a FOIA request. And I've downloaded some of the data personally and looked it over, and it looks limited compared to the scale of offshore banking. So they're you know the investigative journalists their their story tracks. Uh, so my, my fear was that this might be, uh, a, a dossier or worse yet Snowden or Manning's leak type, uh, form of journalism, which I think we need to avoid because, uh, suspicious activity reports once in, entered into an investigation, uh, particularly national security, mobsters, terrorists, and whatnot, that becomes defense information. So we don't want that getting out while there are active investigations. Uh, but if it's from a FOIA request and it's come out legally, Release the hounds, and they have. And just scratching the surface, this is just looking like some of the most incredible journalistic work of the century. All about the money offshore, which as a competitive intelligence analyst, I've been looking at for years. So it is amazing to me to see this live like this uh, in, in other people doing this work and it being top-sided based on you know real data it's incredible so let's just look at probably the top line deutsche bank of the two trillion trillion with a t that's bigger than the the economy of most major nations um that's larger than italy i believe for example of the two trillion revealed to be part of suspicious activity reports that were disclosed from that limited number now extrapolate what the total number might be guys of money offshore it gets crazy of that two trillion from this batch 1.2 trillion was apparently from deutsche bank just remember global gdp is about 65 trillion Add up all the countries and their official economies, that's the number. Um, these guys came up with a relatively low number of suspicious activity reports 
that represent two trillion. One point two trillion of it is Deutsche Bank. Uh, now, if you've seen my shows uh, on on Narrative Live, uh, uh, Zeb Shalev's video podcast that we have a lot of fun on, we had our interview with David Enrich, author of Dark Towers, the new book that exposes the history of Deutsche Bank from its past activities funding the Holocaust, uh, which, no lie, was partially funded by collecting the gold fillings from the teeth of exterminated Jews to fund the Nazis. So they're a fun company. Uh, all the way to their more recent exploits, loving... Uh, loving Vladimir Putin and all his arms dealing and drug dealing, whatever the, that Putin guy wants to get up to. So anyhow, you might have a lot of questions about Deutsche Bank in general. Notice I haven't even mentioned the whole, you know, that's the guys who funded Trump when no one else would. It gets complicated, right? But um, let's just put it this way. The, the FinCEN files will not improve their reputation much. Um, journalists Michael Salah and Ukraine's Tanya Kozyreva published a blockbuster story with Deutsche Bank's help and oligarchs buying spree trails ruin across the U.S. heartland. Uh, they go into painful detail about Deutsche Bank aiding and abetting the indicted Ukrainian mob boss Ihor Kolomoisky in his theft of Ukraine's wealth through the bank Privatbank. Uh, his use of money laundering conduits in Florida to send the money through Delaware corporations and his coordinated economic assault on the American Rust Belt, focusing on Rust Belt factories, which he would buy, strip, and then discard. Workers left without jobs, income, or even access to retirement funds in some cases. Um, the Kolomoisky story, of, of course, is... A terrible one. He's, uh, I believe, wanted for extradition in the United States. He's been facing a money laundering charge uh, based out of, I believe, the state of Delaware for the use of their LLC system, laundering money in to buy up huge chunks of Cleveland and Louisville and uh, focusing on metal plant, uh, metal processing plants, steel, um, other things essential to industry, buying that stuff up, buying, you know, unused buildings up and just stripping the remaining bits for parts. Uh, after you get through just the Kolomoisky story in what Deutsche Bank's been up to, it's just hard to see how that's not economic warfare because this is not just business as usual. This isn't even 1980s vulture capitalism of, uh, you know, the, the hostile takeovers and, um, stripping those companies down for parts. I mean, it definitely hurt us. This is foreigners coming in, hiding their 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 money through very circuitous routes using some nonprofits, using the freedom and uh, anonymity allowed by America's LLC system of corporate uh, structures, and then just basically buying America and ripping it apart. Uh, and when you look at this these activities year over year and how offshore banking and dodgy transactions can be used to take the wealth from one country that's under control of essentially mob bosses like Russia or Ukraine or the former Soviet states, how they're able to melt that, that money down essentially and send it our way, not to invest in the terms of, of foreign direct investment, but as a way to buy stuff, have control over it and just rip it and our country apart. Personally, I don't understand how Deutsche Bank is going to be allowed to continue operating in the United States, and I hope there are a great many more stories to follow about Deutsche Bank and what it's done. 
another another story that's come out through the FinCEN files, Courthouse News, which I can tell you, uh, everyone who knows me online probably knows this. They're like my favorite news source, Courthouse News, because, I mean, this is really wacky. Stay with me. They do the news. Like something happens and they report on it and they kind of save their reporting for the really important stuff because there's lots of court cases every day. They just go for the stuff that you'd care about, that you'd want to hear about like in the morning, you know, like news. And then they have reporters there who find out what happened and they're pretty smart, nice people. I get to talk to a few of them. And then they report that. So they're news people doing news about stuff that matters. Courthouse news. I know. I can't believe it either. There's no retail. There's no uh, reality shows. Um, there's not a lot of sports commentary. It's amazing. It's just the news. Anyhow, one of their top guys in the Southern District of New York, Adam Klasfeld, one of America's best journalists. I don't care who knows it, baby, because uh, Adam was there at the beginning of uh, the Reza Zarab cases for Hulk Bank, which is one of Turkey's major banks under the control of the government of Turkey. That would be the dictator Erdogan. Well, the boys got busted for breaking, you know, Iranian sanctions uh, from the U.S., i.e. helping launder Iran's money from oil sales and other illicit activities. Uh, Classfield's been there at the beginning in the uh, Southern District of New York federal court courtrooms um tracking all these cases and really showing an incredible global picture well with the fincen files Klasfeld has got uh, the government is in on it an insider's account of the reza zarab conspiracy uh and that was between uh, occrp courthouse news service sweden's svt and other partners they analyzed data in an exclusive database supplemented with interviews turkish investigative reports and other doc documents collected from across the middle east and europe uh starting all the way back in 2017 an iranian turk by the name of reza zarab was tried in the southern district of new york and he unraveled the international conspiracy that used hulk bank in what prosecutor in what prosecutors called a fraud of global proportions in violation of u.s sanctions we were talking about uh rudy giuliani and former u.s attorney general michael mukazi tried to get zarb released to avoid exposing iran to no avail and so now Klasfeld and his comment uh, and his colleagues are all over this um I just want to point out I mean Giuliani's everywhere I mean we know that that guy gets up to a lot of trouble I don't know why he's still walking around free there must be a good reason for it um Michael Mukasey was an attorney general under George W. Bush you guys have to remember when you're an attorney general you are privy to the most sensitive secrets through your security clearance in all of America. So if you go screwing around doing Foreign Agent Registration Act type work, working for foreign despots and whatnot, with what you know in your head, oh, that, that's a tough one. Uh, you should ideally be keeping in touch with the federal government about all your foreign contacts, much less taking the money from Turkish dictators to try and get Iranian money launderers off. I mean, it's just crazy there. But uh, Giuliani and Mukasey showed up on the scene there. And uh, the, uh, this, this new piece from uh, Klasfeld and company, they're just going into more and more detail about how large this trade of cash and gold 
for Iran's wealth really was all the places that it, it went. It's no surprise that by 2016, we were arresting that dude, uh, Zarab, as he tried to take his family to, to Disney World. Uh, who knows why he was making his way into the United States when he's been up to all this stuff. But he came by and we pinched him and he totally flipped. And um, the FinCEN files are getting even deeper into a story that is shocking on its face and we've had plenty of detail on. So looking forward to more. Uh, the Miami Herald, which has done groundbreaking work uh, through Julie K. Brown and other journalists, particularly on the ongoing, disgusting uh, saga of Jeffrey Epstein and his activities between New York City, Florida, the Virgin Islands, and uh, any other place he drags a trail of slime. Uh, the Miami Herald did a piece with the FinCEN files, How Palm Beach Finaled Cash to... Uh, Bashar al-Assad's chemical weapons regime. This one's pretty crazy, and the recipe is is nutty even for stuff I talk about. Miami real estate, uh, the, the sanctioned uh, Russian bank Sperbank, the Kremlin, Assad, and chemical weapons all in one. It, it's a story of how a real estate agent's bank account was used to launder money uh, from offshore over to Assad to help use the Kremlin's financial infrastructure through the United States to hide who was paying a dictator to gas children to death. Uh, if that doesn't show some some problems in in our financial system where our freedoms and transparency has been abused, uh, you know, if you don't draw the line at gassing children, I'm not sure what's going to motivate you. So Miami Herald has a, a very detailed, weird story about that. And this is the crazy thing. All these stories, I just named three. They're barely scratching the surface. We're about to explain to Americans and the world how the money really works. And that money controls a lot of historical events and how they come to be. So FinCEN Files is turning out to be you know, a really major leap forward in the public's understanding. It's going to take a long time to get to it. And I just think it's fantastic work. Keep your eyes peeled for more great work. Wall Street is facing record penalties for fraud. God, that's fun to read. Uh, and it's been a long time. Uh, waiting for that kind of headline. Record penalties for fraud on Wall Street. Oh, yes. Uh, $1 billion against J.P. Morgan for what they're calling spoofing, which sounds a little bit too much like, you know, getting a bag of dog poop, setting it on fire and putting on someone's front step, hitting the doorbell and ringing. Uh, you know, that's a spoof or, you know, you know, something vaguely innocent, as opposed to what this is, which is a massive fraud on just the metals futures market and treasury securities alone, a billion dollar settlement. Imagine one, what the fine might have been like, you know, if there was a criminal investigation, SEC and FBI and DOJ went full hammer on them, if that's their settlement offer. Uh, and what must be going on that that's one bank on just a couple of things, metals, futures. So this is the futures on titanium or, you know, bauxite or whatever. And treasury securities as in, you know, U.S. government bonds. Uh, and it says treasury secretaries are securities. I'm assuming that's the United States. That's 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 not much. A billion dollars was the settlement for that. 
Ooh, plenty more where that came from. Uh, this billion-dollar fine would settle the in the civil investigation into the Commodities Future Trading Commission and the Securities and Exchange Act Commission investigation into whether traders on JPM Morgan's JP Morgan's precious metals and treasuries desks rigged markets. Um, let, let's get this straight, though. Uh, JP Morgan is admitting to fraud, and the question is whether the case turns criminal because that kind of fraud that's felony. So the company's admitting to it. I'm wondering what's going to happen with the individuals. Here's how spoofing works. Typically, uh, it involves flooding derivatives markets with orders that traders do not intend to execute to trick other investors into moving prices in a desired direction. Uh, this was technically outlawed in 2010, in about two years after the mortgage uh, collapse, which uh, wasn't really an oopsie accident, more engineered. Uh, so technically it's been outlawed and look, that kind of stuff is just one more way that wall street extracts wealth from society. And, and check this, when you take all these activities together, this is not just, a, you know, financial companies sitting on top of the rest of our economy, not creating value, but they're actually committing crimes. I mean, it's one thing if you're taking five points or 10 points off of something, you're not really creating anything. Uh, that's something we should regulate out. But when you're talking about just straight up lying to people and tricking folks and making money off that, that's criminal. So uh, it'd be good to get to the bottom of that. And this one settlement could set the bar higher for all future actions against mega banks. And this particular intelligence analyst, uh, me, assesses with high confidence. Man, there's much more where... <laughs> where that came from. I've been looking at this kind of behavior since the 2000s. Uh, after the dot-com one bust in 2001 and the the accompanying frauds and, and bankruptcies, you know, the, the economy was really changed after September 11th and a lot of Wall Street was just permitted to go in straight up fraud territory, enriching themselves uh, at the expense of many others. You had this, you know, grotesque housing boom that turns out was one just just one big opportunity for insiders to profit in a variety of ways that weren't really legal. Uh, and we're just now getting to the point, just at the end of the Trump uh, era here, I think, where the big banks are negotiating settlements that are of record sizes on little tiny slices here. I think they have a lot more to answer for, and uh, there's more to come. This piece really hit me. The UK outlaws Alexander Nix, CEO of Cambridge Analytica, from being the director of a company for seven years. Y'all remember Cambridge Analytica. They're the nice people that took all the stolen Facebook data about everyone and made psychological profiles so that they could be targeted with profanity. Or profanity. Well, yes, uh, they could uh, They could be targeted with propaganda resulting in profanity, um, i.e., a Russian-owned mobster becoming president. Uh, yes, that Cambridge Analytica with the Russian scientists doing the psychological work. Oh, good stuff. Well, over in the UK and their government, uh, Cambridge Analytica's former CEO Alexander Nix has reached a deal with the British government by which he agrees not to work as the director of a company for seven whole years. Uh, just remember, such settlements with government are not uncommon to corporate executives um, you know, a lot of times in lieu of some form of criminal prosecution, you just agree never to be the signatory at the top of any letterhead ever again. And you can run along as long as you tell them where the uh, the real culprits are or not. Um, 
you know, that you can, you can go as long as you say you're not going to be a director. That's pretty typical. This one is a bit more ominous. Nix apparently concludes that he is allocuting to bribery and other election attacks. That's part of his deal here, uh, is he's admitting that he was involved in bribery, which I, I forget UK statutes, but it's illegal over here. And election attacks, uh, you know, that's a straight Russian intelligence operations here. So criminal charges have not been ruled out. But the thing I find really interesting here is the matter leads directly to Robert Mercer, Steve Bannon, Facebook, Donald Trump himself. So stay frosty, guys. I think we're finally busting the Cambridge Analytical stuff open. And for those of you, you guys wondering like me, how can this not be illegal? Apparently, it might be legal even in the UK. So, lots more coming up. No, oh, that's ominous music means it's time for Today in Criminal Doom, Doom, Doom. The segment where I read more or less randomly from the happiest website in the world, justice.gov slash USAO slash press releases. That's uh, justice.gov, that's the United States Department of Justice slash USAO, U.S. Attorney's Offices, slash press releases as they tell us what they've been up to. Uh, there every day for your law-abiding democratic pleasure, the DOJ, yes, even under that William Barr character, advertises the exploits of the U.S. Attorney's Offices with indictments, criminal information's plea deals, and the ever-popular sentencing phase. So whether you like watching traitors, mobsters, or standard bad guys go down, gather around, kids, it's time for Today in Criminal Doom. At the Eastern District of Virginia... Uh, we got former CEO sentenced for embezzling $7.9 million intended for injured children. Ah, so Round Hill Man was sentenced today to 70 months in prison uh, for his scheme to embezzle $7.9 million from the U.S. government and a private hospital that was intended to settle claims by victims of medical malpractice, many of whom were children. Well, we'll miss you for the next six years, dude. Okay. Uh, the DOJ just began the second distribution of funds stolen directly from American uh, elderly Americans through Western Union as part of this enormous fraud ring, bringing the total return to victims to 300 million. Those uh, phone calls and weird emails to Grammy, uh, ripping her off, getting her credit card, or getting her to send a, a wire or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's part of a huge DOJ bust, 300 million, and they're returning the cash to the old people and others. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the DOJ announced that the Western Union Remission Fund began its second distribution of approximately $148 million in funds forfeited to the U.S. government from Western Union to approximately 33,000 victims located in the U.S. and abroad. These victims, many of whom were elderly victims of consumer fraud and abuse will be recovering the full amount of their losses. Yay! Up in Massachusetts there, uh, east of the Quabbin Reservoir, uh, U.S. Attorney, uh, District of Massachusetts, Gilead Pharmaceuticals, uh, Gilead Sciences, Inc., pardon, agrees to pay $97 million to resolve allegations that it paid kickbacks through a copay foundation. <laughs> Pharmaceutical company Gilead Sciences, uh, based in Foster City, California, has agreed to pay $97 million to resolve claims that it violated the False Claims Act by illegally using a foundation, the Caring Voice Coalition, as a conduit to pay the Medicare co-pays for its own drug, Lateris. 
When a Medicare beneficiary obtains a prescription drug covered by Medicare Part D, the beneficiary may be required to make a partial payment, which may take the form of a copayment, coinsurance, or deductible. Uh, Congress included copay requirements in these programs in part to encourage market forces to serve as a check on health care costs, not a way to rip off everybody plus sick, pe sick people plus the taxpayer, you know, to be a check on health care costs, including the prices that pharmaceutical manufacturers can demand for their drugs. The anti-kickback statute prohibits pharmaceutical companies from offering or paying directly or indirectly any remuneration, which includes money or any other thing of value, uh, to induce Medicare patients to purchase the company's drugs. To date, the U.S. Attorney's Office has collected over $1 billion in settlements stemming from copay foundation kickback schemes. And you wonder why the price of uh, health care keeps going up. I'm beginning to sense it's not about socialisms. I'm beginning to think there's a lot of it that's crime. And actually, in my 20 years of research in competitive intelligence, I know it's crime. So... Uh, speaking of drugs, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in New Jersey says owner of pharmacies sentenced to 30 months in prison for conspiracy to defraud the IRS. Don't do that, honey. No, no, don't do. Uh, the owner of several retail pharmacies, including a pharmacy in Piscataway, New Jersey, was sentenced today to 30 months of prison for conspiring to defraud the IRS. Uh, U.S. Attorney Craig Carpenito announced. So, uh, you know, don't screw around with the IRS. It's just easier. And that was today in Criminal Doom. Gather around, kids. It's now time for the segment I call Not on the Bingo Card. That's where even after 23 years of competitive intelligence and I have a lot of weird stuff that I'm expecting to turn up in the news at some point in this crazy uh, moment in history, uh, there's some stuff that even surprises me, and that is Not on the Bingo Card. So today... CEO of Bumblebee Tuna sentenced for tuna price-fixing scheme. So, uh, dirty seafood scams have been in the barrel a while now from the mobbed-up, and I am not making this part up. The Codfather fish and cash money laundering ring uh, to illegal crab meat to the ongoing canned tuna pricing conspiracy. The former president and chief executive Bumblebee Foods was sentenced to 40 months in prison and a $100,000 fine on Tuesday for his role in a years-long conspiracy to fix prices of canned tuna, according to the Justice Department. The former executive, Christopher Lishwecki, was the leader of the scheme, the authorities said. It involved three other executives who pleaded guilty and testified against the ringleader of Big Dirty Tuna, Lishwicky. Uh, the scheme affected over $600 million worth of canned tuna sales, according to prosecutors. Executives who cheat American consumers out of the benefits of competition will be brought to justice, particularly where their antitrust crimes affect the most basic necessity, food. Makan Del Rahim, the assistant attorney general in charge of the DOJ's antitrust division, said in a statement, Today's sentence reflects the serious harm that resulted from the multi-year conspiracy to fix prices of canned tuna. So just remember, when thinking about the current era, if they have time to take down canned tuna crimes, they probably have a lock on treason. So, yeah. <laughs> and now it's question time. 
brought to you by at Game Theory Today, which is our primo social private Twitter group. Uh, if you like my at Eric Garland main Twitter account, boy, you'll really like Game Theory Today, uh, the primo social private group, no trolls, your questions answered, and lots of joking around, a little extra profanity, all that stuff, all the good stuff, and uh, we respond to questions there on a regular basis, so... What do we got here from our friends at Game Theory today? Sophie Rapp says, How bad are things when malignant brain tumors start to sound convenient? Well, today we've had uh, Dan Bongino and um, Michael Caputo, both parts of the conspiracy with these knuckleheads. Uh, They've got head cancer or something like that. Their cancer diagnoses are oddly nonspecific, but... uh, Uh, These things are all coming in around the same time. This is my thought. If hypothetically you're trying to leave public life by faking your own death in advance, and there's a whole bunch of people doing it at the same time, you may have made some bad choices, and this seems like a bit of a PR strategy, but not one that indicates anything good. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Jan Scott says, uh, What's up with uh, the Vatican's Cardinal... Bekui, who was the the head of saint making, and isn't it cool that there's a job of uh, making saints? Uh, and there's uh, man, float your CV. I guess they have an opening. It had something to do with money. Um, the question is, with this and the head of Manhattan Financial Services indicted, uh, one of the guys from the Panama Papers indicted. There's lots of money shenanigans and bad guys in the news today. Not a coincidence, I think, says Jan and. My response is they got Capone on taxes, baby. Because the numbers are the easy prosecutions. This was one of the, this is why they got Capone on taxes. Not that they didn't have him on tons of other complicated crimes and schemes. And this is long before the RICO statutes, the Racketeer and Influenced Corrupt Organizations Act, or 18 U.S. Code, Chapter 96 in its entirety, designed for the mob structures. Yes, it was several decades before that, but the fact was when the when they were looking at all the crimes Capone had been involved with, the ones in, involving ones and zeros were the easiest to get people on. Um, they didn't require they didn't require witnesses the same way. They didn't require forensics. The ones and zeros were the easiest and and best forensics. So it's not a surprise that the money people are going down first, including the accountants who filed false tax returns. So there's been a lot of that in uh, justice.gov, looking at the U.S. Attorney's offices, lots of little offices going down on federal charges for filing false tax returns. Boom. Uh, Our man, Matt Fossa, says, uh, the former second in command of the Joint Chiefs, along with a ton of NATSEC folks, just endorsed Biden. I suspect this is where the anti-45 domino rally really begins. Any leads on more high-profile Biden endorsements? First of all, I would like to say that there's nothing military and intelligence people hate more than entering politics. The fact that you've seen John Brennan, director of the CIA, um, um, uh, General Michael Hayden, a former director of the NSA and the CIA, who has a very, very frank uh, opinion of folks on online that he feels are knuckleheads and traitors. Um, the fact that those people are out talking at all is just amazing to me. Um, you had some people who are active duty military at the four star level like that. It, it's unprecedented. And one, they, they hate it. 
they do i mean there's the hatch act there's i believe uniform code of military justice you know prohibits making any comments on the civilian leadership of the military it's a really core principle so i guarantee you that these very serious multi-decade lifetime servants do not like it but two it's because it's necessary um they know that the republic is at stake um so yeah i mean now that you got like people from the joint chiefs coming out and making statements about biden retired or not man uh, it's a big deal uh looking forward if i have any leads something adam schiff said last night was uh you know if you serve now in this administration as a republican it's time to go um you know kind of indicates maybe there's some indictments about to drop who knows but if you used to serve and you were stuck on what did he call it like uh, respectful uh, silence. Well, now it's time to, what did he say? Respectful dialogue. Anyhow, it's time to start running your yaps. Even if you currently work for this, this group of knuckleheads or you used to now of the crew that used to, to answer Matt Foss's question, man, if, if, uh, the warrior monk chaos, general Mattis, former Secretary of Defense, if he opens his mouth with, with one or two comments, look out, baby, that is going to be, that show is going to be worth the ticket. Uh, Sarah Sketch says, I went on Twitter four years ago to find an explanation on data passing between Alpha Bank and Trump Tower. It seemed extremely nefarious. Whatever came of that? That's a good question. You remember that uh, Franklin Four story that I think the New York Times passed over? It ended up in Slate. It was about when certain data transferred between uh, servers at Trump Tower and uh, supposedly tied to Alpha Bank, which is a notorious bank uh, controlled by the Russian Red Mafia, Semyon Mogilevich and that crew. Uh, you know, it was like kind of a smoking gun. We never sort of heard anything about it, which is the way counterintelligence investigations are supposed to go in the normal world. Um, but I had that question. I've, I've had questions about that too, since that was, you know, made, you know, made public somehow. I forget the methodology on who was looking it up, but either way, we had that data and it's kind of gone nowhere. nowhere. So I don't have any relevant, relevant intel here. I wonder if we'll either hear something about it soon because it was supposed to, supposedly uh, associated with Betsy DeVos and the story I heard was that packets associated with HIPAA uh, that is healthcare personal information that's protected by the law that those packets passing over the internet are the hardest to get a search warrant on or something you know either we'll hear about it soon or maybe never <laughs> so um Today was a day that uh, campaign chair, former campaign chair for Bernie Sanders, Nina Turner, joined uh, Mercury Public Affairs, which is a fairly notorious um, Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA agent uh, firm that works for Qatar and uh, some of the Russians and whatnot. And so Brett Petticord asked, so Bernie is warning us that Trump is going to steal the election. His former campaign chair, Nina Turner, just joined Paul Manafort's PR firm. It wasn't really Manafort's firm. He did engage them as well as engaging Tad Devine, who had been Bernie's manager, as well as uh, Tony Podesta, the Podesta group for the party of regents, Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine. Um, but Nina Turner has just joined up with them as part of her new venture. She's joining Vin Weber's Mercury. 
And Brett asks, am I allowed to say that the op is obvious at this point? Well, you know, I'm always reticent to say anything definitive about Senator Sanders until I've heard more. But it's just kind of interesting that most of the people that surround his uh, his campaign have some nefarious connection that is increasingly obvious. Uh, the fact that he had a Russian data guy in 2016 who then returned home and worked for Ksenia Sobchak in her Potemkin presidential race against Vladimir Putin when Anatoly Sobchak, her father, was actually Putin's mentor in St. Petersburg. The fact that there was a Bernie guy who was on Bernie's campaign, went home to Russia to work for this Russian mobster's daughter... I don't know. It kind of looks bad. So I'm clearing Brett to say you can see the op from space. Uh, and a funny question here uh, from Sabrina Mahoney uh, for for me. Please explain again why it is not a good idea to go along with a honeypot op. Again, good sex, get more intel, and then get the authorities to arrest, preferably right after the happy ending LOL. This is one of the funnier intelligence questions I've ever received. Um, and I actually do know something about it. Um, so I think what she's asking here is if you suspect that you have been targeted by a sexually attractive uh, person who may be an operative for a hostile foreign intelligence service, why not just go in and have the sex and then let the authorities work it out? Well, something I've heard from the business, it is not a topic that comes up very often, but sometimes you are ordered to go through with that. There's times that uh, service members and people who have access to sensitive information, who have clearances and security officers to whom they report, they might get a defensive briefing that, hey, that new girl, that new guy that you're dating actually is tied to the blank service or they're an officer or they're an agent thereof you know that gets subtle but at times i have heard through the grapevine that you may be asked after that person is identified you may be asked to keep having sex with that that agent to see what they want so you may have to do it for the flag true story and if that gets a few more applications into the fbi and the cia with uh, people of good talent willing to sacrifice for their country well salute now get on it patriots and that is question time for today if you'd like to be able to ask some of these questions go to primosocial.com slash game theory today and join our little community started in 2018 to get away away from the bots trolls and other knuckleheads uh and it's a great time see you there and to round out the show it is time for pam fam the segment for positive active measures. Remember, if Russian active measures are there to demoralize the population, make everybody feel down, the greatest American counterweapon is positive active measures, the intentional distribution of news from all over the world that most people are actually nice and good and want to make beautiful things a reality. This episode, I want to simply highlight the high-octane adorableness of the ongoing epic drum battle between Nandi Bushnell... Uh, Nandi Bushel, sorry, and uh, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame. Uh, Nandi is a 10-year-old British girl who burst onto the internet music scene playing note-for-note drum covers of Foo Fighters tunes, nailing 
all of drummer Taylor Hawkins' parts, uh, frankly, with a gusto that make her a lock for a Led Zeppelin reunion if they need a hand. Foo Fighters' Dave Grohl, of course, started out as the drummer for Nirvana and decided to challenge her across YouTube to various video-recorded drum-offs. Their friendship is online, and the whole damn thing is adorable, people. So today, we will end this episode with Nandy and Dave's duet on Dead End Friends by Them Crooked Vultures. Thanks to all our sponsors, and to check out more of me, see my Twitter at Eric Garland, E-R-I-C-G-A-R-L-A-N-D, that's Garland, like Judy or Christmas, and join our private Twitter community at at Game Theory Today, sign up at primosocial.com slash Game Theory Today. Stay frosty, peeps! Dave Grohl, that was epic! It's an honor to battle you! <laughs>